here's what it says in Malachi chapter 4. He said, Behold, I am sending, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. So um, I wrote in my margin actually a statement from the new, or the uh, Spirit-Filled Life Bible, one of the commentaries, and it said, the close of the Old Testament is filled with the hope of unity and healing. I love that. The close of the Old Testament is filled with the hope of unity and healing. And I wrote down about generations. I'm a, I'm a boomer. Um, before that was the silent generation, then baby boomers, then Generation X, then millennials. And um, I wrote down plurals. Is that right? Plurals. I never even knew that. I, somebody must have told me that. I don't even know what that means. They keep naming, they keep naming generations. And uh, I guess I'm a baby boomer because I'm over 28. Yeah. How many of you are over 28? How many of you are under 28? How many of you, it's just a number? How many of you want me to get out of your face about this right now? Yeah. How many of you wouldn't raise your hand if your life depended on it? You raise your hand. I love you. Um, Earlier in Malachi, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's in this context, uh, the prophet, Hebrew prophet Malachi speaking to Jewish people about the synagogue and the temple. This is bumped over into the New Testament repeatedly. Tithing is for today. And it's 10%. You bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that's the church, so that there will be food in my house. Food equals God's will, God's word, God's resources. So, uh, you know, I'm a product of the local church. Uh, there was a, a guy named Ralph Wilkerson. During the Jesus Movement, Pastor Jack Hayford, Church on the Way in, in Sherman Oaks. Um, there was Chuck Smith of the, uh, and his wife leading out there in uh, Calvary. Uh, for me, it wasn't neither of those guys. It was uh, Ralph Wilkerson, who had a place at Melody Land, and, uh, which was a, uh, a concert venue. And he bought it and built a church there. And then there was a an outreach from it into Upland, California, and there was a pastor there that that was he was instrumental in leading me to the Lord. Everything emanates out of the local church, and uh, Jesus is the head of the church. He said, "I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it." So I love being part of the church, and um, I love giving to the church. I love this church. This has a mission. It's very specific. And uh, we've come through seasons and stages. I could look back and see significant critical events, significant events in the history of this church. And uh, we've been through amazing seasons and fired up through it. And it was all hands on deck. And then there were lulls and peaceful times and resting times. And then there were preparation times. And um, so we're about ready to come into a new uh, uh, almost breakneck speed uh, a series of things that he's calling us to do, and God will help us to do it. So I feel prompted, and I'm working on it. We've been accumulating funds for uh, some different things, and we're going to get ready so we're, we have the equipment so we can go out and do what God's called us to do. So as you partner with that, give toward that, believe God with me on it, uh, it'll be great. And uh, just, uh, just, just do what the Lord puts on your heart. Faith is an attitude uh, of the mind, which is the foundation of, 
um, it's the bedrock of our hopes. It's where our hope stands. And it's that which satisfies us of the reality of things yet to come. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. How many of you are believing God for great things? How many of you have kids, you're believing God for great things for your kids? I know that Al and Joyce, you, you have those feelings, and I do too. And you just want them to go out into the world with a, and with a really great uh, uh, tethering to and, and base on the Lord. And as crazy as the world is, we don't want them to be picked off by wolves. We don't want them to be picked off by false things. Um, there are things that will come up that, that will drain people. So we've got to make sure we hear from God and do things accordingly. So God is preparing us through this global pandemic. And I'm excited about what he's bringing to pass in these upcoming days. And I remember when we got in this building and then just a few months later, that, that great flood of 93 hit, you know. And uh, it was awful. We were, we were, along with everybody in the valley, victims of... Uh, a natural disaster, but yet, because of what we know about Jesus, we were we shifted from a victim mentality to a victory mentality, um, where we, we realized that in all these things, we are more than conquerors, right? Whatever you're facing, God has answers for your situation. As turbulent as it is, as anxiety-producing as things may be, we can trust the Lord. He is faithful, and he's trustworthy. That sounds glib, but he, he is faithful to his promises. And so that's why we spend a lifetime reading this book, so we can get informed and be strengthened and understand. And I'm going to preach in a minute. Aren't you glad? And it's going to be good because I've got a good word for you. And so let's get ready to sow into the offering. And that was uh, uh, the musicians. I let them go because that, in fact, was the song that we were going to sing during the offering. So we got ahead of the game. So I'm going to have the staff come and bring the buckets, and I just pray blessing on your finances. If you want a text to give, I suppose we ought to set up in the text to give. When you push the button, it sounds like your offering hits the bottom of the bucket. I just think that would be good, or a shishing or something. But um, I know that our, the sound of our offering, the, it, could be a, and the smell, it could be a fragrant aroma uh, pleasing to the Lord. So God, we ask that you will thank you for letting us give, and thank you for letting us sow. And thank you for teaching us how to tithe and give offerings. And we pray we bind dissipation of our finances. We come against con artistry around about us. We pray we are spirit-led in the upcoming days of our time, our prayer, and our resources. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 34. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 34. I'm going to teach you about strength. Strength. Everybody say strength. What is strength the opposite of? Weakness, being feeble. And uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 34, it says they quench the, by faith they quench the power of fire. Let's look at verse 32 first. It says in verse 32 of Hebrews 11, and we'll look at 33 and 34. What shall I say then? For time will fail me. See, I'm not the first preacher to be able to say that. Time will fail me. Of, uh, uh, if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David and the prophets, uh, Samuel and the prophets. And, and so see, he's like, I've got so many case studies of God's faithfulness. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, I, I, I could start talking about what God did through Gideon or Samuel or, or, or David or the, the prophets. He goes, but, but 
He said, but so he, he sort of itemizes generally some of the highlights of their testimony. So he says, uh, for who by faith conquered kingdoms. How many of you think that's good? Yeah. A performed acts of righteousness. Sure. Beautiful. Obtained promises. Beautiful. Shut the mouths of lions. Stop. Survey. Who shut the mouths of lions? The angels for Daniel, right? Also for Paul. And David had to chop, bust one of the lions in the chops. So he, he, God has a proficiency in a history with shutting the mouths of lions. And then he says, quenching the power of fire. Escape the edge of the sword. Now this is what I want you to see here. From weakness were made strong. Say that. From weakness were made strong. Years ago, I have a friend who was preaching at a conference, and the preacher got down on their knees to make a point. And while they were preaching, it occurred to them they got so they were they had become so weakened by not working out that they couldn't get up. They had to have somebody come and help them get up. And that was a drove the point home that there needed to be uh, some strengthening. And I want to tell you that God is interested in your strengthening. Uh, the Bible says in Nehemiah that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Uh, David said that the Lord is the strength of my life. David knew 1 Samuel chapter 30 when he went through a predicament could have been the, one of the, the COVID-1 or it could have been some crisis or some dust bowl or a depression or something. In his case, he was at Ziklag and people kidnapped all of his loved ones and burned all of his stuff and the people that were with him blame shifted and spoke of stoning him. And in chapter 30, of verse, verse 6 of 1 Samuel, the famous verse, I've preached it often here. Moreover, David was greatly distressed. You ever been distressed? Uh, because the people spoke of stoning him. Uh, but then look what it says here. David, the people spoke, for the people were all embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. But David, say, but David, strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Well, how do you do that? Out of weakness, they were made strong. Now, Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about how the, because he had so much revelation, there was sent to him a messenger of Satan. So it was from Satan that to, to buffet him blow by blow. It was called the thorn in the flesh. He cried out to the Lord about it, and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And then, in fact, it says, and, and, and we could just look at this, because this is going to frame what I'm about to preach to you, so you understand that it's not self-help I'm preaching, but I am preaching that we are to help ourselves to God's help, right? Help yourself. That's what my wife said to the family when she had this gigantic, humongous cauldron of chili that we cooked from Friday all the way through Saturday. Now, listen to what it says here. He says in verse 9 of chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, God said to him when he was crying out about the challenges, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Say that. My grace is sufficient for you. Now, say this. God's grace is sufficient for you. Say that to the person next to you. God's grace is sufficient for you. For, look at this. This is a highlight right here. For power is perfected in weakness. Power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Now that sounds like a paradox. It sounds like a contradiction, but it's not. 
What it's saying is, it's, it, what precedes breakthrough is admission of our need, right? What, what precedes breakthrough is our admission of our need. And when Paul was praying, he's saying, God, help me. And he says, I, I am helping you. I've got grace for you. And earlier in 2 Corinthians, it, it says that his, he's able to make all grace abound toward you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Jesus came to give abundant life. He came to bring abundance. He came to bring strength. And uh, there's even a verse that says, let the weak say, I am strong. Isn't that amazing? Say that with me. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We're told in the the book of Ephesians chapter 6 to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It's funny, though. You you say to be, be strong to somebody. It's like, well, how do I do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. First of all, you realize that the joy of the Lord is your strength and his presence, their strength. His word brings strength, right? He's a strengthener. He gives power to the faint. To those who lack might, he increases power. Isn't that amazing? And so he says, therefore, I will be content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, he says this, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Wow. Because what you end up doing is saying, I really need God. Isn't that right, James? You go, you know, really, I, I, I'm a piece of work. You know, I've been around people that are very honest and authentic. And um, I love that. Because I think that's entry-level way to go when it comes to really walking with God. The Bible says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He'll exalt you at the proper time. And, it, you know, there's a church of the nativity in Bethlehem in uh, the Holy Land. And um, the Orthodox Church built a building there many hundreds of years ago. And the, the entry to the door, to, to the, to the uh, sanctuary, uh, is the, the, the door is so short. And, um, and, you know, when I first went there in the 70s, I thought, wow, they must have been smaller <laughs> then. And, and maybe they were a little bit, but not that much. What they did was they built the door so that when you enter in, you enter in bowing. Isn't that interesting? And I think that's valid. I think that has value. And I remember the action when I had to bow down. And I had that stupid notion. It's like, well, these guys were like Lilliputians or something. You know, they, they, were, they were tiny people, you know. And no, they, it, what it was was um, they, they realized, you know, we're, we're going to draw near to God. Uh, and you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And, and so... It's humbling to say, you know, Lord, uh, I'm not all that, you know. It's humbling as a human being to say, uh, I need a Savior. You guys remember when I got lost at sea in New Zealand spearfishing? Have you ever heard that story before? <laughs> and uh, so I'm out there in the water. And uh, th- this is interesting about the human ego and, the, and pride and the male ego. While I'm out there and I realize I'm in terrible, a terrible situation, and the, the, the longer it went, it went for, you know, over an hour, hour and a half. I got pulled so far away. Nobody knew where I was, and I had a lot of thoughts come into my head as I watched my hope shrink. I saw the islands go down, and I kept going farther and farther out, and there was, it, it, became, it became hopeless in natural terms. I thought about you know, I, I, I thought, this is what death, facing death is like. 
I thought that. And then I thought about my wife's face. I saw my wife's face in my imagination. I thought about my kids, and I thought about church. I thought about my mission and my responsibilities. And I thought about um, uh, just those types of things. And I, and I, and I called on Jesus. So my prayer life was, was so not complicated. It was, God, help me. And then I mustered all the brain power I could, and I said, God, please give the captain of the boat wisdom. Because the Bible says in James 1.5, 3, it says, Count it all joy when you encounter various temptations, tests, and trials, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience and it develops endurance and perseverance, right? Those are important characteristics. So you guys, when you face challenges, you look at it and go, you know, we're going to get through this. Say this with you. I'm going to get through this. And, uh, and he says, and, and then it says in that context, um, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So I said, God, this captain is going to need wisdom. And I didn't know this till later, but when you go into a crisis like that, you're, there's physiology that changes in your body. And uh, like if you're lost in the desert or something like that, your, your body triggers and you start protecting your vitals. So your blood sugar changes and your, it, it, all kinds of different things go on phys, in your physiology and, and one of the first things to go is sharp cognitive skill. So I was, th- I, I was having a hard time tying knots and getting the boat, the buoys to be tight so I could put them under my shoulders, uh, under my arms, so I wouldn't have to paddle and tread water. I at least had the presence of mind. I had these buoys with my, my spearfishing because the fish were so huge that you had to shoot them and then they had to have a, a, a buoys to watch where they are because they were like 60 pounds, some of them. So... I tied those under my arms, and I had to yell at myself to tie those under my arms. Because I, and then I, I read a book about it, and in fact, indeed, what was happening was my brain, my thought processes were getting numb. But I had the presence of mind enough to say, God, please give the captain wisdom, which he did. And the captain, at the same time, he told me this, we compared notes, he, he, the pastors that were there, they were stunned. They were now trying to figure out what it was, how they were going to make the call to tell my wife, that they lost me at sea. That's where they were. So it's like, thanks. You, you went from losing me, briefly looking for me, to making the phone call. And you were feeling sorry for yourselves about having to make that call. But the captain, he said, men, we need to pray. That's what he said. Everybody say, men, we need to pray. Men should pray always. And uh, so he prayed. And then he took his boat, aimed it directly out in the open sea, and it, what I now realize is bona fide biblical level miracle went a mile and a half. For a long time. Straight out. Not zigzagging. Not, you know, looking, not, not zigzagging like you would think they would do. Straight out. And rode right up on me and found me in my ink black wetsuit, face down, exhausted. I wasn't flailing my arms. I also read this. When you get in the, and you're you're drowning or you're in danger in the water, you don't wave your hands because you're busy treading water. And a guy painted a beautiful painting for me, and that was the one part that was wrong, was that my hands were up. He had, you know, and and because I was laying face down. 
So it wasn't due to any of my uh, swimming prowess or my sophisticated thinking. I was brain numb, and I was depleted, and I was lost in the open sea. But I needed help from somebody else. And here, the, here was the other thing. I thought about God's will. I thought about my family. I thought my wife's face I saw, my kids. I mean, in a very vivid way. The church, mission, God. And I thought about death. And then I also thought, I wish I was the one rescuing rather than the one being rescued. I'm just telling on myself. Because my male ego, in the midst of all that, I was like, darn it, I wish I was the rescuer instead of the rescuee. And that, in fact, is humanity. And yet Paul is saying, I'm just going to boast in my weakness. And that's what I appreciate about this guy. He models something. He said, be followers of me as I am of Christ. And Paul wasn't like, hey, I've got this so figured out. I am a guru in the spiritual world. I am amazing. And if you hang out with me, you're going to learn how to be a razzmatazz awesome person. No, he's saying, I, I, when I was with you it, to the Corinthians, he said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Now, that doesn't contradict that the Lord is the strength of our lives. In fact, let's look at two verses, one in Colossians and one in Ephesians, um, because these are prayers we can pray. And I want to show you how Paul, uh, out of weakness, uh, made strength happen and, caused, uh, in, 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 in got a hold and got access to the strengthening of God. Um, first, we'll go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and I mean, I'm sorry, chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, and uh, we'll read this uh, in the New American Standard is my translation I use, verse 14 uh, on through uh, 20. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Now, this reason is he's celebrating the quality of this church and how he wants to supplement a good thing. And he says, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, get ready for this, put your seatbelt on, get your shouting clothes, get your dancing shoes, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Can we say that? To be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Now look at the verse, the way it's laid up on the screen. It just isolates it. And let's study this for a second. Imagine, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Like my friend who couldn't get up off her knees, um, I experienced weakness after the boating accident where I broke my sternum and ribs and it took a year and a half to even be able to do push-ups again. And uh, I got put in touch with this couple over here, uh, John and Debbie Morris. She's, a, she's proficient in uh, nutrition. They own a, a gym. And I, I would walk by this guy and he was just really buff. And I look at him and think, wow, that guy's in good shape. And, uh, you know, they said, hey, you know, well, Pastor, you know, you could, you could work out. Well, you know, the, it, 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 would, it would be help. And I thought, you know, I go to a restaurant to get nutrition. I go to the gas station to get fuel. I go to church to hear the word and, and grow in my destiny and get strengthened in relationship with the body of Christ. And you go to a gym to, to, to offset the, the lethargy and the sedentary aspects of society and the, and the diminishment and to overcome that. Now they, you know, so I thought, I actually, you know, I looked at him and I thought, that's a good goal right there because he's fit. And actually his story is he came from being not so fit 
So it's a great story. It's not like I'm a, I'm a stud, you know. It's, it's, it's like practical, and it, and, and it put me in touch with the practicality of it. I believe Paul is putting us in touch with the practicality of being a strengthened Christian because it's like out of weakness they were made strong. See, I, I became a Christian out of being lost. I, I'm a citizen of heaven because I was going to hell, and Jesus said, I want to do something about that. And I humbled myself, like the church of the nativity in Bethlehem, I had to bow, I, I, and, and I had to humble myself. I had to humble myself out there in the water. God, help. And I just had to paddle up, when they, and, I, and let them pull me out of the boat. I was like a, I was like a wet spaghetti noodle. I couldn't even stand. And I, had to, I just laid there on my side for 30 or 40 minutes before I could even move. I was probably getting, you know, toward, uh, I was so cold, and, uh, you know, I was so tired, and, um, and I'm back. My testimony is that I could boast in my weakness. In fact, seasons of our ministry, I would say, oh, yeah, that was the grace of God right there. Oh, yeah, oh, that happened? That was God's grace there, too. And all this breakthrough? Yeah, I give him all the praise. See, I had a good pastor when I was a kid. And I went out, and he preached a message out of town, and he asked me to go with him. So we went, as before either of us were married, and we were young guys, and he preached an amazing message, altar call. People came and got saved. And, and, and I was like, this was unusual. This was so powerful. He knew I prayed for him and, and stood with him, so he asked me to come and help him pray. And we were driving back. And, you know, he wasn't like, that was awesome, man. You hear what I said? No, he was like, he, was, he had tears in his eyes when he was driving. And he said, Jesus, I give you all the praise. I give you all the praise. I heard about that with Oral Roberts. He starts a big university. In the 50s, he had some of the most amazing, gigantic meetings, disproportionate to anything going on in society. But he never, it never went to his head. And I'm told that he would go to the back and he would cry and thank God for the people that got healed. Another lady that was mighty for a period of time and had these miracles always made sure she knelt and gave Jesus all the credit, right? And that's not what I think I hear Paul saying. That's what I get out of this guy. It's like, hey, go to the gym and be like me. It's like, it's like I came out of this, and this, this, this through repetition helped me, you know? And, and I want to tell you that, that, that like praying like this makes a huge difference. I take these prayers. Yesterday, we came here and prayed early in the morning for hours and prayed these verses over you guys. I pray these verses all the time for the church, so much so that when I was younger, I took this and I consolidated all of it, and I had, I had it uh, typeset. I put it on a card and so that I could have quick reference to pray these prayers out of the epistles and, and praying that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, praying that you would be strengthened with power through his spirit, in the inner man, because by faith out of weakness, they were made strong. See, weakness, the Greek word for it is asthenia, and it means feebleness, frailty, infirmity, sickness, disease, malady. Uh, in the dictionary, a, a weakness is a flaw. Uh, uh, it's powerlessness revealed by an inability to act. For example, my friend that was on, on their knees, it was powerless. They couldn't get back up. I've fallen and I can't get up. I've knelt and I can't get up. Out of weakness, they were made strong. I believe this can happen to individuals. I believe this can be, the flames can be fanned on a marriage. And your marriage can be enriched and get past the toxicity of it. it. Get past the hurt of it. 
I believe you as a Christian, you could go through seasons where you're numb and you could have revival in your heart that, that gets you back into a place where Jesus is number one in your life. Jesus is central. That's why when David prayed in Psalm 51, he said, restore to me the joy of my salvation and then, and then sinners will be converted to you. Uh, he, he said, uh, you know, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Well, that is actually available in Christ. When you and I give your, our lives to Jesus, we become a new creation. The old things pass away and new things come and we, our citizenship is in heaven and we have the potential as Christians to draw near to God because he in fact is our strength. You know, yesterday we had family day. We built our the chili through Friday night. I'm, I'm unfortunately good at chopping onions, so that is my for eternal job. So I'm chopping, 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 chopping. And so then we, you know, she said, some of these are pretty big. She pulled them out of the pot, chop them some more. Chop, 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 chop. So we got them in there and we went to bed. Let it simmer all day. We built all night. We, we built the chili. The kids came over. We had a wonderful time. We came up here in the morning. We prayed. We had fun. We laughed. They had grandkids. It was beautiful. We went outside. We ran around. Kingston took uh, Trent over to the uh, trampoline. We just had a blast. They left in the dark, and I was so excited. I was looking at my watch. Oh, it's 7 o'clock. It's getting close to bedtime. Hallelujah. And then it was 7.30. Oh, I thought it was going to be like 9, but it was only 7.30. 8. That's crazy when it gets like that. You, when I was a teenager, if you told me I'd be doing that, and then watching an episode of Lawrence Welk, I would have said, no way. But anyway... Those of you that laugh know what I'm talking about. So I was like, everybody left. We, we, you know, we, Patsy was cleaning the kitchen. We we're getting things done, turning off the lights. You know, that's what I do. I, turn, I follow everybody to turn off the lights. Lock the door. I'm walking. Oh, hallelujah. Every step is a step closer to my, my comfort of my bed and rest and sleep for the night. I'm so tired. I got to be ready for church tomorrow. And I, got, I rounded the corner, and I felt the Lord prompt me. And it was kind of like this. Hey, would you go outside for 30 more minutes and pray? And I went, click, closed the door, kept walking. How spiritual is that? <laughs> Tried to walk it off, and I took about three steps, and I was like, oh, sorry, Lord. Yes, I will. So I didn't even tell her. I just turned around, closed the door, went outside. In fact, she's about, you know, she, she was looking for me. But I, I went out there and sat on a bench. It was a cloudy sky, so there were no, cloud, uh, no stars uh, and the clouds picked up the, the light pollution, so it was kind of crazy, kind of brightness, sort of strange brightness for, you know, around nine at night. So I just sat on the bench, and I just began to pray. And uh, as I was praying, it, it wasn't like God was saying, pray some more. You didn't pray enough. It wasn't like, you know, you got a duty. You got so much increment of prayer you got to get in. As if you're a Christian... It wasn't like that. It was like, I want to get with you. I actually want to minister to you. Um, I, I, he, he wants to fellowship with us. Stuff like that. So I was sitting there, and I got my phone, and I pushed the stopwatch to exactly 30 minutes. And God's, and God's in heaven going, what a devoted saint. St. Francis and St. Augustine were going, man, he should have a halo, man. He's awesome. He's what a devoted Christian. And, but, you know, I, I wanted to, I, I actually did it so that I would do 30 minutes and not 25 or something. So I sat there praying. Patsy was looking for me. I said, I'm out here praying, Patsy. She said, do you have your coat on? Which is why husbands stay alive longer because they have wives that make sure we take vitamins and wear our coats. So I went and got my coat and I stayed out there. Then I had my hood on, and I was all bundled up. 
And Steve, had, uh, he's, they're staying with us to, while they're fixing their house. So he, he um, went to shoot baskets, and he came back, and, and I could hear him coming around, and I thought, I'm going to freak him out, you know. Like those videos were, were like a, a straw, like a, a, a straw, like a, a, a scarecrow is sitting on the porch and, and during uh, Halloween, and, and, and the guy walks up to do trick-or-treat, and the guy moves, and the guy knocks him unconscious, <laughs> punches him. So anyway, I didn't want that to happen. I didn't want Steve punching me in the face. So I said, Steve, I'm over here. And he went, ooh! And, and, uh, <laughs> so he went in the house. So I finished up my 30 minutes, and I went through things like, God, you know, I really need you, and, you know, you... And, and it was like that, and then I began to affirm things. And, and, um, but a closeness, that was the part that came from it, was time spent in his presence. You know, and um, when I finished, I, you know, right at the moment I got up, you know, and it's like, uh, clock it out, you know. And, um, and, uh, but it, it was an invitation into his strength. And, I, and, and that's part of out of weakness we're made strong. And the example I would use is Jude 20. Jude is only one chapter. And in Jude 20, it's a famous verse. And it, you don't, we'll just look at it up on the screen. Uh, it, it, says, it says in Jude 20, I'm going to wait till it gets on the screen. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. So while we're on our journey, while we're going through our stuff, God is calling us to things that will build us up. Like my goal as a preacher is, to, is for your edification. I, I thrive on that. You know, I'm to feed the flock. I'm to guard the flock from wolves. They're, you know, Acts 20, wolves, I've seen wolves emerge through the pandemic and do wolfy things and watch divert Christians off their path. I'm trying to figure out how to deal with that, to guard the flock. They're deceived, apparently, because they would not, they would repent of it if they knew it. Um, but God will help the saints. That's part of my duty as a pastor is to tend the flock, to guard the flock, to pray for you guys. Paul said, I pray for you night and day. And this is, these are the things he prayed. And I, I didn't finish Colossians chapter 1, verse 11. But if you look at Colossians chapter 1 about this, we just prayed that there would be a strengthening of power through his spirit in the inner man. Look at what it says in Colossians chapter 1, prayer. Colossians chapter 1, it says in verse 9, and we'll look all the way to 12. For this reason also, since the day we've heard of it, of your faith and your love and your commitment, your sacrifice as a church, uh, I've not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled, look at this, with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual understanding and wisdom and understanding. I pray you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will for your life, that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. How many of you want that? I want to really walk this thing, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, Bearing fruit in every good work. I believe 2023 is going to be very fruitful. It's a year of accomplishment. A year of, uh, of, uh, of achievement. A year of advancement. A year of enrichment. A year of abundance. A year of breakthrough. A year of your talents being implemented. 
The devil's worked hard to diminish you. The devil's worked hard to divert your attention. And uh, I believe this is a strengthener. I started going to the gym. I'd go one day a week, and I got a benefit. I had lost my pace when I broke my sternum where I stopped doing the push-ups and the pull-ups. You can ask my wife. She um, thought I looked pretty good, you know, that for what little I did. And I had a good sort of calisthenic thing I was doing, and it, I was really pleased with it. And I missed that when I went through that accident I, to recover from that. But then to have somebody who understands injury and understands and is sensitive to age and understands those variables, that, that's, that, that put me in touch with uh, progress um, so that it wasn't just like uh, disproportionate. It was like, this, this, is for, this is for a lifetime. So um, that's, this is how I feel about church. No hype, no need for uh, uh, steroids, no need for uh, human growth hormone, no need for blood doping. All we need is the blood of Jesus. All we need is the living bread and the, the meat and the milk of the word. And then we have plenty of conflict that builds muscle. You know what builds muscle? Resistance. It's called resistance training. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I had to deal with my flesh. My flesh was saying, I want to go to bed. And I have for the last two hours since 7 o'clock. Like a big baby. And, uh, and God was saying, hey, um, I know you need something better than physical sleep, better than the nutrition of that delicious chili. You need some hang time with the man. And it says in Matthew 6, 6 about prayer, you know, in the context of Matthew 6, religious people were fasting, giving, and praying to show off um, what are they calling this now, virtue casting, or what do they call that? What's it called? Virtue signaling. It's like the, the religious people were showing up, look how spiritual I am. That, I hate that. You do too. God does. And God's like, eh. all your righteousness are like dirty diapers in my sight. When we had our first baby, we had a diaper service and cloth diapers, and there was a thing called a diaper pail, and it, was, it should have had a nuclear uh, uh, state. I mean, it was like, ah! I mean, it just burned the, your, you know, your facial hair and your eyebrows off. It's like, what happened to you? I'm a parrot. I've, oh, you've got cloth diapers, yeah. So, and that's what, yeah, hey, God, look how righteous I am. In fact, I knew going out and praying. I, in fact, I laughed and talked with God about it. So here I am, God, what a piece of work, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, but he was, he was uh, drawing me. I just want to spend time with you. And so he said to, you know what, don't fast to be noticed. Don't give to be noticed. Don't pray to be noticed. And uh, he said, but you, in Matthew 6, 6, he said, when, but you. Everybody say, but you. Point to yourself and say, but me. Uh, when, when you pray, go into your inner room. Close your, look at this. This is what's so amazing about this. This is what happened to me in the 30 minutes. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I actually didn't like it that my wife found me or that I had to tell Steve I was there because I just wanted, I knew that the time alone. You know, and Andre Crouch wrote some amazing songs. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. He was, he was an amazing, uh, I saw him many times through, the, through, and he was amazing. He wrote a song that's little known. It's one of those B-side kind of uh, deep tracks, but uh, about quiet time. 
And it's a beautiful song. In fact, when I heard it, it resonated with me as a young Christian before I was married. And um, that, in fact, is what we're believing God for going forward. And that, in fact, is where our power is. You know how I got direction on what to do for the flood of 93? Actually came from several weeks prior to the end of July. It was through, it was through uh, April, May, June. I was being led by God to go outside and pace the levees and pray. And uh, not knowing what I was supposed to do. And we don't know how to pray as we ought. And I would go out there and I just felt like my brain was a bag of hammers, you know. And uh, I, but because the Bible says when you pray in tongues, your spirit prays, but your mind is unfruitful. So I, I needed to get my mind renewed on the word, but I needed to pray. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. I was praying these prayers that, uh, that I would be strengthened, verse 11, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might to the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Can I tell you, as you and I humble ourselves under God's hand, he'll exalt us. And did you know that if you, if you crucify your flesh and do a checkup from the neck up and ask God, God, if this is not you, then I ask you to forgive me, I repent. And if this is you, God, then help me to proceed and do it. He'll help you right now in this season of your life, of your career. If you've had a career hiccup, God knows about it. And he wants to help you and be the glory and the lifter of your head. He wants to turn things around for you. He is faithful through the seasons, isn't he? He's faithful. And, you, you know, there's a lot of game left in you. There's, there's, there's a, there's, you're, you are considered by heaven to be a resource. And that's one of the things to pray that I pray that, uh, you know the, 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 the hope of his calling and, the, and, and, um, and, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You know, he feels you are his rich treasure. Paul talked about his, the church being his crown, Paul's crown and glory. He saw the beauty of the body of Christ and, and, and the beauty of the potential of the individual. And I'm telling you, I'm showing you the beauty of being able to come out of weakness That person that couldn't get back up off their knees now is walking several miles a day, working out in a gym, and uh, is stronger probably than they ever were. There's a guy at their gym named Greg. He's a dentist, recently widowed, and he wears a tank top to show off these ridiculous guns. He comes in all like bowling balls for arms, you know, and and, uh, and he's really sweet and unassuming. He's not like, hey, yeah, look at me, I'm awesome. He just comes in and goes, hey, guys, you know, and that's the fun of it. And it's like, he's about a year older than me, and I think, that's what I could be like when I grow up. <laughs> the Bible school leader that I had, you know, is like Paul, be followers of me as I am of Christ. He had longevity. He was, there was faithfulness, very in love with Jesus, humble, wasn't on a head trip. What, and, and wasn't manipulative. It was like, this stuff's real. It put me in touch with, and you know what? Culturally, we were totally different. But that's not what God was wanting me to adopt. What he was wanting me to adopt was that spirit of faith. And I, and I look in the gym, I see this guy, he's so big, he's competed in, in one, you know, events and things, it's huge. But I thought, well, he understands stuff. He's about half my age, but he understands stuff. And he's even sensitive to my age bracket. 
Let, at this point of 50 years in serving God, 42 years of pastoring in St. Louis, I understand some stuff. I've watched wolf behavior. I've watched things come and go, and I've watched people be allured, and I've watched people take advantage of others, and I'm thinking, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with this as a pastor? I'm supposed to rebuke, reprove, exhort. I'd rather just exhort. I'd rather be the guy that goes, golly, man, let's keep pressing on. But I, my ears pin back when I see people manipulate others because it diverts their prayer life, their finances, their time, and then it ends up not being God. It fizzles out. So you got to watch what you get committed to. And so I would just say, go before the Lord and say, God, your grace is sufficient. And I'm trusting you. The world's gone crazy. America's gotten very deceived. My youngest son said, Dad, the world's gone crazy. I said, well, the world's always been crazy. Yeah, but it's crazier. I said, you're kind of right. And I said, so we're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So our response is let's just grow in God, build ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Um, like, like Andre Crouch, what he said was uh, have some quiet time. Get, get, get alone with, with the Lord. Um, uh, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. I, I believe some of the ways we could strengthen ourselves. Number one, set and maintain, maintain a quiet time. I want to tell you what's helped me is early morning devotions. Starting my day in the word um, accompanied by coffee. Just saying, just saying, all right? Because it's the thing. It's the thing I do. But getting in a devotional, spending time alone with the Lord before the busyness, turn, turn, putting the phone away, not having the TV on, not reading the paper. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. Look what it says. It says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, He said, In repentance and rest will be, you will be saved. Uh, in quietness and trust is your strength. Look at this. Let's read it again. Listen to what it says here. But you were not willing. That's what I, my, hey, can I give, can you take 30 minutes? I'm going to bed. Three steps. I wish I could say it was only one and a half steps, but it was a full three steps. Is that okay? Yeah. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I'm trying to humble myself. See, I get to get up here and I get to tell about all the great achievements God's done and all the great testimonies, but I also, it seems like more often, have to communicate the flaws, um, you know, but even Paul said, I'm going to boast in my weakness. Like it even says that his letters were weighty and amazing. And even Peter said, they're hard to understand. They're good, but they're hard to understand. But when he speaks, it's not that big a deal. So apparently he wasn't that great a speaker, Paul. <laughs> Moses wasn't. And, uh, and yet, God used Moses, God used Paul. Paul told the Corinthians, and it sounds like a contradiction of most of his teaching. His life message was, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, and you're more than conquerors, and there's no condemnation. And, you know, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets you free from the law of sin and death. And he goes, when I came to you, I came in weakness and fear and much trembling. And uh, my message was not in the persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. That's what I like about their gym, is humble. It's not a big, like, a deal. It's not all about vanity. It's like, this is a thing. Like, I talked to one lady. How long have you been doing this? Ten years. And, and uh, the trainer said, that's when I started. And then the guy, the doctor that's uh, more buff than me, um, you know, he, he started late in life. 
I just, uh, my kids, uh, Addison sent me a, a, a blog from a, a YouTuber uh, interviewing a 100-year-old man. He said, my life, my years right now, these are, and I don't want to sound funny, but these are the best years of my life. And it was through adjusting his diet and stuff. And the, the interviewer said, so you've won marathons in your 80s and 90s. And, and he said, uh, when, did you, I, I heard you really only started becoming competitive when you were 60-something. He said, no, no, that's not true. Uh, I was about 88. <laughs> and he said, and then it, he, he chuckled and he said, uh, at my age, pretty much number one in all, all the air, all the fields. And he went, ha, 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 and then it looped back again, you know, and it was, it's just fun to watch, and it was like, it was doable. It wasn't like uh, some sort of hype or, or some sort of, uh, uh, you know, mystical thing or some sort of self-help hype. It was just uh, set a goal and set time and have quiet time. It says in quietness and confidence, shall be your strength. And can I tell you that the morning when I prayed for you guys before we had our kids over for Chile, it was powerful prayer. She stayed in the building. I went outside and I walked around the building. I, prayed, I stretched my hands toward the youth in the children's building, the parking lot, the fields, the building. And this is how I do it. I've been doing it for decades. And, um, and then I came in and I prayed and paced around the building and had a wonderful time in prayer and felt like I was done. I got most of my notes laid out, most of which I'm not referencing, but I worked on them. They're all right here. I've got page after page of them. They're really good. I mean, if somebody needs some sermon notes, I've got them here because I haven't really used them, but I worked on them. And then we had a beautiful time with the family. And then, but, I, but God wanted it, me to have just a little quiet time. And, and what happened was in that quietness, confidence came. And strength came. So then I went to bed, fell asleep, awesome. Woke up fresh, and here we are. And I want to tell you, out of weakness, they were made strong. And why would that be embedded at the beginning of both of those epistles if it wasn't important? Paul prayed for the, Corinth, for the Colossians and for the Ephesians that they would be strengthened. Strengthened with power by his spirit in the inner man. Why would he bother to pray that? Because God really wants to be the strength of our lives. I'll close with this idea. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has set eternity in our hearts. One of the most powerful TV spots we ever broadcast over the years here from church was a video that we put together as a, a graphic of a jigsaw puzzle and there's an empty spot and one piece missing. Now, this is not funny because we, did a, we do puzzles. We do jigsaws on our family vacation, and we just had one. And we were doing one of the planets, and Kingston was on the other side of the table, and we were all working on it. His wife, Maddie, was working on it, and we were taking turns, putting a lot of time into it. Um, and it's fun for connection and for problem solving and hand-eye. It's good for your brain. It's like doing push-ups. And uh, King went, where's that piece? And, and we weren't even completed with the, the three quarters of the puzzle yet. And he goes, there's a piece missing. And he, you know, and we went, oh, and he was right. There's a piece missing. Everybody say there's a piece missing. And uh, there's a missing piece in people's lives. God has set eternity in our hearts. There's a French physicist in the 1700s named Blaise Pascal. Blaise Pascal. 
He made a statement that I, I've committed to memory. And it's basically translated from French into English like this. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person that cannot be filled by any created thing. It can only be filled by God the creator as expressed through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus fills the gap. In fact, we used to pass out a, 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 a threefold pamphlet called What Fills the Gap. You remember that? And it had, uh, on the front, it had, um, does money fill it? No. Does pleasure fill it? No. Does fame fill it? No. Does achievement fill it? No. And then you turn the page, and it shows this guy with an empty spot with a butterfly flying clear through it. It's a cartoon drawing. And then it goes into telling about how Jesus is the fullness that fills all in all. And that Jesus is the, we're made with a God-shaped vacuum. There's a Jesus-shaped jigsaw puzzle piece right here that only he can fill, right? That's our belief. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we are here all these years pressing in while our kids grow up and while experiences happen and we go through change of life, menopause, or we have issues or job changes or society goes weird or we go through dark seasons of anxiety or depression. And it's like, God, yet, like David said, I was young and now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's people beg for bread. Did I say I'll close? I'll close with this story. Violinist, Israeli violinist Itzhak Perlman. I remember seeing him here in town. He was hit with polio when he was a child. So he walks with uh, crutches, those metal crutches with the grip on the back. And he came out uh, as a guest soloist here one years ago. And when he came out, he walks out on the stage. Stages in symphony halls aren't made for big uh, line array uh, amplified speakers in, in, in boom boxes. They're, they're made for acoustic resonance. And so the stage is almost like a drum skin. That's why when Beethoven lost, started losing his hearing, he would lay on the, on the stage so he could hear the vibrations or, or put his head on the vibration of the top of the piano. It was made the same way, the vibration board. So he would come out, Itzhak Perlman, and, and he, was, he had a severe case of polio, which caused, caused him a, a serious limp. And he would come out, and he would, uh, I guess for dramatic effect, throw his crutches down, and they would, he would let them fall on the wooden floor, and it would thunder through the building. It was shocking. But it was, it was such dramatic effect because it was like, now I'm free. I'm going to soar on wings with my music. I'm not going to let my experiences of my childhood hinder me. I'm not going to, but, but it does inform me. It's, it's made me pursue excellence. And in fact, I saw him here do that. But in New York, when he was playing vigorously, he's a very vigorous player, one of his strings broke. And when one of his strings broke, instead of stopping everything and, you know, being like a prima donna, I remember watching one of these award shows and one of these singers whose names I won't mention went into it and didn't do it right, stopped everybody, and it was like it was just creepy because it was all about her making sure she was did you know looked right. It was but Perlman didn't do it. He played through injury like so many of the Cardinals. And he just he decided to improvise. And when one string breaks, the others kind of go a little bit out of tune. So he had to adjust his fingers. And, and through that, he just decided to, to improvise. And so in that what would have been a moment of defeat, 
he turned it into a moment of victory and and that he, he had challenges in his life he knew how to overcome and so your challenge is also uh, uh, to get you to use the resources you need to adjust and recompose and innovate and prevail when you're confronted with uh, all your respective challenges you're designed and made to be more than a conqueror as an overcomer your strength is in god it is not in yourself and in fact weakness isn't really anything weakness isn't really anything it's just the absence of strength so let's get strong in the lord let's learn how to strengthen ourselves with might and power by his spirit let's learn to enter into his gates if he tells you to spend 30 minutes get your stopwatch and go and hide out and pray turn your tv off and spend time with God. If he tells you to read your Bible, get your Bible. If he tells you to underline it, underline it. If he tells you to go to church, stay in church. Don't drift off. If con men try to manipulate you, rethink it. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's get up on our feet. I'm done. Hallelujah. Woo! That was good. Pastor Jeff, have you finished? Well, at my Bible school, they started taught us how to start sermons. They never taught us how to finish them. So now lift up your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. You, in fact, are the strength of my life. Say it. The Lord is the strength of my life. Say this. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So what did I say? Pick a quiet time. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in the Word. That's it. I go to the gym. He said, you got you to gotta do some cardio. You got to do some resistance training. Simple, right? But just do it. Everybody say, do it. Look at somebody next to you and say, you look 50% stronger than you did when you came in here. God bless you guys. Have a good afternoon at the mention of his name. Hallelujah.